0: Hi there friends, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 191, and today I have some very exciting news to share with you. It has been a long time since I made a podcast. I am sitting here thinking, what do I say? What do I do? I am out of the habit of podcasting. Yes, last time we met up online via my podcast, I was talking amongst other things about money. How could I raise some money to support my podcast and my blog and all the other things I do, money for the hosting fees and... To, for equipment and all those other things that are necessary for sharing unschooling. Well, maybe you thought that I hadn't solved the money problem so I couldn't continue podcasting. Well, no, I haven't, I haven't solved the money problem, but maybe I will, and I'm going to tell you about that in a minute. I just decided to take a break so that I could focus on my third unschooling book. Oh, I was taking a long time writing it, and I thought I'd never, ever get it finished and published, and I would never able never be able to say to you, I have finished my third unschooling book, and it's called The Unschooled Challenge, and you can find it on Amazon as a Kindle and a print book. Well, I've I'm able to say that today because I focused in on that book and stopped doing a few things like podcasting so that I could fulfill this goal. And it feels really good. (laughs) Yes, I think I was trying to do too much. That's the way I am. I get excited by so many ideas. I want to podcast. I want to blog. I want to write books. I want to make videos. Even though I don't like social media, I still want to explore it, make short videos and reels. And, oh, there's so much research that goes on while I'm doing all that. And then, while I'm trying to do all that, another new shiny idea comes along and distracts me from all of that. And I end up with something additional that I'm trying to do. Well, I came to my senses sometime towards the end of last year, and decided that I had to cut back on all I was doing if I ever wanted to finish this book. And so that's what I did. I think um, the book, it was published on Amazon as a Kindle book, maybe a week and a half ago, and as a print book, maybe two and a half weeks ago. And now... I can sit back and do a few other things, including telling you about the book via this podcast. And if I link the book to my money troubles, I'm hoping that when I tell you about my book, that you will think, oh, wow, that sounds really interesting. It's the type of book that I could use. I want to go over to Amazon straight away and buy a copy. So that's what I'm hoping you'll do when this podcast is finished. I hope you will follow the link in the show notes, head over to Amazon and be wowed by my latest offering and buy a copy. Now, I've got confidence in my book. (laughs) Yes, I have done my best. And I do think it's different from anything else that's out there uh, on the unschooling uh, topic. And I'm going to tell you more in a minute, and I hope that you will agree. But as far as my money thing, you know, troubles go, people don't like mentioning money, do they? And I didn't mention money for so long. I just kept spending family money and sometimes feeling resentful about that. And then until one day I decided to confide uh, my concerns with you all here in the podcast. I need an income to pay for all those expenses that will allow me to keep sharing unschooling with everybody, everybody who is interested and would like to find out more. So if you buy a book or if lots of people buy a book and I earn a little bit of profit from my books on Amazon, yes, that will go towards hosting and other expenses it would also be nice if uh, I had a little bit of money left over for myself as well. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, do you? I've been sharing unschooling now, oh, many years. Maybe this is my 13th year, if not 13, it's coming up to 13. And I have given a lot of my time and attention and family money, uh, doing what I enjoy doing. I would do it regardless of money. But yeah, sometimes there comes a point where you think, really, I need need at least to cover my costs. So friends, I hope that it was okay to mention money, and I hope that you will support and encourage me by checking out my book. Perhaps you, before you head over to Amazon, you would like to find out a little bit more about the book. Who did I write it for? What's inside the book? Uh, How will it help you? So I've got a copy of the book in front of me and because this is the podcast, I can't show you, but maybe I'll add a photo to the podcast notes on Podbean and also on my blog. But just follow the link to Amazon. There's a lovely photo or image of it there. It's a lovely green book. Now, it matches my other books, Curious and Scholars and Radical Unschool Love. Curious Unschoolers is a big book. It's orange. And Radical Unschool Love is my big pink book. And this one's green. So I think the colors go together. My daughter Charlotte and I spent a long time looking at color palettes so that the books would go together and look like a series, but also that the color would be one that would catch people's attention, uh, but not anything glaring, you know, just a good color. So we got this lovely green and it's the same sort of cover as for my other books, the same font, the same layout there's a different picture. Charlotte designed me a little logo, motif, um, hand-drawn picture, whatever you would like to call it. It sort of resembles a flower with two googly eyes in the middle, which continues the theme of googly-eyed pictures on the covers of my books. Right, I'm going to open the book and I'll have a look. And the first page, it says, Welcome to the Unschool Challenge. I'm so excited you're here and I can't wait for you to try out my unschooling challenges. But first, I'd like to share some introductory information. And then I describe what the challenges actually are. So I say, what is the challenge? It could be a problem An obstacle, a concern, something we need to conquer if we want to move forward. A challenge can also be a task. When we accept a challenge, we know we'll probably work hard, but we also know there will be something good at the end. We'll have gained something from the experience. It will have changed us in some way. In this book, you'll find lots of challenges or tasks that will help remove the challenges or concerns that might prevent you from living an unschooling life with your family. My unschooling challenges are designed to overcome the challenges of unschooling. The challenges illustrate the unschooling principles and will give you a better understanding of them. Despite the often fearsome reputation of challenges, you won't find the ones I've written difficult to do. They come with step-by-step suggestions and lots of questions that will point you in the right direction. All you will need to provide is a willingness to ponder and explore and an openness to changing your thinking if required. Yes, sometimes it's good to challenge ourselves, isn't it? We often talk about kids and challenges. We want our kids to set themselves some goals, some challenges, because it will stretch them, they will learn. And the same thing is true for us. I was thinking about years ago when we started out homeschooling. I can't even remember how many years ago that was. Oh, more than 28 now. Maybe nearer 30. I'm not sure. I will have to work that out and keep that figure in my head for occasions like this. All I know was it was a long time ago. And when I set out, I didn't know much about unschooling, even though I thought we were unschooling. People around us were unschoolers. Uh, We subscribed to John Holt's magazine that used to arrive in the post in those days. It was before the magazine actually finished uh, production. I think it's called uh, School, um, oh, Growing Without Schooling. Nope, I've, the, the title has gone, which just shows me I've fallen back into old Bad habits, where I don't think enough about what I'm going to say during a podcast episode, and then I can't tell you the things that I want to tell you about. I can't remember authors or books or video names properly, but fortunately, we have show notes. So I will add that magazine name to the show notes. All the episodes, or episodes, all the newsletters, all the issues. Of that magazine, which used to be a paper production, are now online as uh, digital files. I could find the link to that quite easily, I think. So that will go into the show notes as well. But yes, these magazines or newsletters used to arrive regularly in the mail. And really, they were the only contact I had with unschooling information. No internet in those days, very few books. And so I didn't understand unschooling very well. I didn't have enough contact with people uh, who were unschooling to uh, ask my questions, to listen to their answers, to ponder unschooling. Uh, I guess I went to a couple of conferences and that did help. uh, But... You know, there's always so much more to learn, isn't there? You cannot learn about unschooling by visiting uh, one conference for two hours, talking to a few people afterwards. You really need time uh, and lots of resources or lots of people to talk about or lots of time to observe your own children to learn what it's all about. And so I got off to a bad start. I thought, "Oh, oh, look. There must be more to unschooling than stepping back and just letting kids get on with the task of learning. I didn't really see how that would work. And so a little bit down the line, I gave up and moved on to other things. But somewhere along the line, I did come across this homeschooling book. It might have been one of those books where there was a chapter for different types of homeschooling. And there was a chapter written by an unschooler. And each person, each author, uh, described their typical day. And the unschooling mother described how they got up. I don't remember all the details, but I do remember it was uh, a leisurely start to their day maybe they stopped and made pancakes or something they didn't rush they didn't worry about oh we must get um, must get started for the day we've got lots of things we have to tick off our lists no they took it nice and easy and then uh, the next bit i remember is they all put on their skates and they skated down their path to the mailbox to see if the mail had arrived. And it must have been a very long um, path or driveway because it was worth them all sitting out on their skates. They got a bit of exercise along the way. And that's all I can remember. But I do remember what I thought. I thought, well, I like to get up early. I don't like to get up late. And I don't think that I want to skate along a path with my children. We're not into skating. Oh, What? we do? We're unschoolers. What are we supposed to be doing? And I guess I missed the principles of unschooling when I read that story. I looked at the looked at it from the outside. I looked at the actions but didn't understand why they were occurring. Why was the mother skating down the pathway with her children? Well one of the things could be that she was enjoying sharing a passion with her children. And she was putting her children first and wasn't worrying about outside expectations. But I didn't get that from the reading of this story. And so I wanted to write a book about what unschoolers do, some suggestions. Now, I've already written two books with lots and lots of stories about what my family has done, Curious Unschoolers and Radical Unschool Love. And maybe those stories have helped, but I wanted to explore those principles behind the actions in more detail. Why did we do what we did? And what can you do or what can anybody do who's interested in unschooling do uh, if you want to put those unschooling principles into action, if you want to turn unschooling theory into something real in your lives, what what can you do? You don't want to copy what my family is doing. You want to work things out so that what you do suits your family and your children best. But even though unschooling can look very different in different people's lives, we do all share these unschooling principles. And I guess that's the basis of the book, exploring the principles of unschooling. And I'm suggesting ways that you can incorporate them into your real lives. Uh, So, do you need to be just sitting out? Do you need to be new unschoolers or just curious about unschooling? Or is my book suitable for lots of different people at different stages of unschooling? And I wrote a little bit about that in the book too, and I'll share that with you. Who are the challenges of four? If you have doubts about unschooling, does it make sense? Or are the critics bright? The challenges will help. Or if you're saying, we want to unschool, but we don't know how to incorporate its principles into our lives, this book will give you many ideas for things to do. I have stuffed it with practical suggestions. If you feel stuck and life has lost its sparkle, these challenges might reignite your passion for unschooling. The Challenges will give you record-keeping tips that might allow you to unschool while fulfilling any homeschooling requirements. I hope my book of challenges demolishes all your concerns, whatever they are, so you're free to love unconditionally, trust, and live a full unschooling life, bursting with learning with your kids. So yes, a lot of different people maybe could take a look at my book. Maybe it would be helpful for a range of people and their needs. Now, yes, I mentioned homeschool record-keeping tips. I've uh, written a lot of challenges in this book about homeschool record-keeping. Therefore people especially who have to legally keep records, but I think they will also be useful for everyone because we all have doubts at times, don't we? Are our kids are learning? Maybe it does help to write things down, to have some sort of journal where we are keeping track of what our kids are doing. We might just want to do it for a while or we may decide that we enjoy keeping Records of our family's life together. At, by the time, oh, I'm just thinking when, partway through our homeschooling record keeping experience. Put it that way. I suddenly decided that I had to be positive about homeschool record keeping. Maybe it was towards more towards the beginning. I don't know. It's funny how you can never remember exactly. The pathway that you have taken. As things get blurred, we forget things and maybe it is good to keep records, to write things down so we can go back and track our progress. And I want to come on to that in a minute, but talking specifically about homeschool record keeping and having a positive attitude, that's what I decided that I needed. I had to keep homeschool records. There was no getting away from it. it. Legally, it was required. So I had to find a way for record keeping to work for me and my family. I had to find a way that was enjoyable to keep records and I had to find a use for those records outside of homeschool registration, because one day, well, the day came, I don't know, a couple of years ago or so, when I no longer had to keep homeschool records and all the records I had, well, I don't even look at those, well, I wouldn't look at those again, except for one Reason and that was I viewed my homeschool record keeping notebooks as my family's journal. I recorded all the learning, yes, but all the exciting uh, things that accompanied that learning, the outings, the movies, the books we read together, the thoughts we had, the conversations we shared, all that, I recorded those in my homeschool record keeping notebook for the educational authorities, but also for me and my children, so that we can scroll back through the notebooks. And as we have already done and say, hey, do you remember when we read Ballet Shoes together? Or do you remember when we went to the Nature Reserve together? And we can enjoy those memories all over again. My homeschool record keeping notebooks are still valuable. So there was one more group of people that I didn't realize might benefit from my book. I didn't realize until a few days ago uh, a friend of mine who is a classical homeschooler, not an unschooler, who was very who very kindly read my book for me, and then later on she came back and she said, "Oh Sue, it was so good reading your book because it reassured me that on days when our plans don't go according to to you know what you hope, what she hoped, when the plans fell apart, maybe." When she dropped the plan completely, she realized that her kids were still learning. Maybe there are times when structured homeschoolers actually put their plans aside. It all becomes too much on those overwhelming days, those tired days, the days when unexpected things happen. And maybe my book will reassure people who prefer a structured homeschooling approach that is quite okay to let go of the plan on those days. Our kids will keep learning. Uh, was there something else about that that she said to me? Um, I'm not sure now. I think there was a second point that the friend made, but I didn't write it down because I thought that I would remember it. Uh, anyway... The other thought I had later on, I wrote an Instagram post about that comment and I said, what happens if a structured homeschooler dips in to my book of challenges on those days when the plan isn't working, when they feel they need to let go of it, but they still would like to do something for themselves or with their kids because there's challenges in my book that are just for parents and some that I made the suggestion that you could involve your kids if they are willing. What if a structured homeschooler dips into my book of challenges, the unschooled challenges, the unschooled challenge, and chooses a challenge and then chooses another one and another one? And what if they enjoy putting, popping, you know, Getting their toes wet, maybe that's a good way of saying it, in the unschooling waters. What if they enjoy it so much that they wade out deeper and decide to become unschoolers? Is that a problem? Because I don't didn't don't want to give a false impression to structured homeschoolers. I respect the way they're and their decisions, respect what they're doing. But what if they decide to become unschoolers? Well, maybe that's not a problem. Maybe that would be something tremendous. So that was, yes, that was a a really interesting comment from somebody who might benefit from my book. uh, Somebody that I didn't expect would like the book and would actually think, it is helpful. But back to the book. I have explained what the challenges are and who the challenges are for. Then I mentioned that there's, there are some extra challenges. There are 76 challenges in my book. But some of those challenges have ideas for extra challenges, So like a variation, or you could go in a different direction on the same topic. So there are, I haven't counted all all the extra challenges, but there are well over 76 of them. Plenty to keep anybody busy for a long time. I've also included a lot of family stories in the book. And these family stories are different from the ones in Curious Unschoolers and Radical Unschool Love. I think I might have overlapped just on one story, but I did add different ones. Some of the stories are from my blog or Instagram. I've extended Instagram captions, so I'm not saying they are completely new, but they are completely newly edited and They're not published published anywhere else. But there are also some that I haven't shared anywhere. So I wanted to include stories as an illustration of the unschooling principles. As I said earlier in this episode, it's good to see the unschooling principles in action, isn't it? Even if it is in a different family. Your family is very different from my family, maybe, but the principles are the same, and maybe you will find my stories interesting. And and then at the end of every challenge, I have listed some related reading. And these stories come from my other two books. So I guess this could be looked at as a companion book to curious unschoolers, and Radical Unschool Love. It stands alone. You don't need to buy the other two books, but if you want to integrate the three of them, then I have given you some suggestions where to go in the other two books uh, to, apply, to, to have another look so that you can see the principles behind each of the stories that I told in my first two books. And then finally before I get on to the challenges I made a big suggestion that readers keep a challenges notebook. Uh, it can be hard writing things down, can't it? I am continually refusing the invitation to write even though I'm even though I'm a writer. When I read a book and it says, jot down your ideas about this, or if I am listening, say to a Bible reading, and the suggestion is, write down uh, the thoughts that you're having or where God is leading you. And I think, oh, there's no need to write it all down. That'll take too much time. I will have to go and find a notebook or open up my phone or whatever. I'll just think about it. And so I think, but I only think at a surface level, before I know it, I'm turning the page of the book, I'm fast forwarding to the next uh, part of a podcast, whatever it is that I'm supposed to be pondering, I move on far too quickly, because I tell myself that thinking about it is good enough. But I don't think it is really. The action of writing, especially writing with a pen on paper, stimulates our brains and we end up having thoughts and ideas that we would never have if we just quickly whip all those um, thoughts through our heads, if we uh, review whatever we've been listening or reading to quickly, if it just flies through our minds again, and we have a quick few few thoughts about it, and we think, yep, done that. I can move on. But no, when we sit down, uh, in the, when we have some quiet time, we make some free time, we get a a book, maybe a special notebook that we, we're we not going to have lots of odds and ends of paper. We've got our book and we know where we're going to write things. We've got our book and we've got a pen, a pen that we like to use. I like those gel type, the ones that glide off the page. And then we think to ourselves, it doesn't matter if we scribble. It doesn't matter if our handwriting is messy because we're the only people who are going to read these notes uh, as long as we can understand our handwriting, that's all that matters. Then we get a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or a cool drink, and then we write. And we see where our thoughts lead us. So I've said, you might like to keep a challenges and notebook. Every time you do a challenge, you could jot down the following answers to any questions you pondered, what you and your kids did during the challenge the outcome of the challenge, how you felt, what you learnt, any changes you'd like to make, and any other relevant thoughts and information. And then I just wrote a bit about what I've just said, about how sometimes it can seem too much trouble to write things down, but I encourage you to do so. And I finished that section saying, keeping a notebook will ensure you get the most out of this book. So I hope you'll take the time to write about each challenge. And somewhere else in the book, I wrote about how it can be good to come back to our journals and reread them maybe a week later, a month later, a year later, and see how far we have progressed. It's like going back through our homeschool record keeping notes and appreciating how much our kids have learned and where they have come to where they are, where they still have to go. Ah, uh, yes, it's an exciting ad adventure. So I, I really do hope you'll buy my book and then buy yourself a nice notebook that you can use as a challenges journal. And the final suggestions I have, I just said how we, how could you use this book? You could dip into it and just approach the challenges as they capture your attention. Maybe you have a concern or an interest, uh, and you might look through the index, the contents pages, and think, "Oh, look, there's a challenge about trust, or a challenge about." uh, video games, I think I might do that one. And I think that's an excellent way to approach the book, because it is good to address our present needs, isn't it? But of course, or at the needs of our children, uh, But of course, the book could be used from beginning to end. And I have sort of roughly arranged the challenges to follow the pattern of a year with the first one. Well, I think it's the second challenge actually is called prepare for a new unschooling year. And the second to last one, I think. Yes, the second to last one, challenge 75 is write an end of the year review. And then the other challenges are sprinkled between those two. There's an additional one at the beginning. The number The first challenge is actually called write your Pixar story. And the last one is called be brave. And in between, yeah, there's um, lots and lots of choice, lots of challenges based on loads of unschooling topics, the unschooling principles, topics for just children, topics for parents, topics, challenges that anybody, could, that the whole family can do. Yesterday, Erin and Haley and Ashley from the Virtual Kitchen Table podcast, I chatted with them about my book and also de-schooling. They invited me to be part of one of their podcast episodes and we, we recorded our conversation yesterday. Oh, it's such a great conversation. Uh, before I go any further, perhaps I'll go down a sidetrack and tell you about this podcast. If you haven't already subscribed to the Virtual Kitchen Table podcast, please do. A link in the show notes, definitely. Uh, I was invited to join Erin, Haley and Ashley on one previous occasion. That uh, The episode that we recorded together was published last November, November twenty twenty. 2022. Lots of twos. And we talked about unconditional love and kindness. What have they got to do with unschooling? That was such an inspiring conversation. I really loved hearing um, the other women's um, thoughts. And I get excited about unschooling, Um, unconditional love, as you probably know. And I appreciated the opportunity to share some thoughts of my own. But yesterday, we talked about de-schooling and also the unschooled challenge. And again, I appreciated the opportunity of sharing something that's very close to my heart. And Erin asked me at the beginning of the podcast, what do you think the theme of your book is? And I guess the reason for writing it was to share how we can turn the unschooling principles into something visible in our lives. Unschooling principles into action. But maybe there's an underlying theme of uh, courage. Be brave. And that's why I put the final cha- uh, challenge as be brave. It sort of summed up the whole book. We have to be brave, do what is right. Do what is right for our family, for our kids, regardless of what everybody else is telling us is the right thing to do. Tune in, connect with our kids, be brave and go out and do what is right and do what is and sometimes that's very, very difficult, but it is possible by the power of love. Love is a superpower, isn't it? Uh, We can do anything if we love love we love our kids, we'll do anything for our kids. And sometimes we get distracted and we don't do what's right for our kids. Other things cloud our vision and overlay that love that we have for our kids. And we need to clear clear away um, everything that's getting in the way of us loving our kids unconditionally so that we can help fulfill their needs. And I guess that's the theme of the book. So Erin let me, or gave me the opportunity, she very kindly did, gave me the opportunity to talk a little bit about the history of the book. And, oh, you might know that I created an unschooling community in March 2020. And I called it Stories of an Unschooling Family Community, because I'm not very inventive. Everything's called Stories of an Unschooling Family. And I was host of that community for two years. But right at the beginning, in April 2020, I suggested to our members that we do the A to Z blogging challenge. This challenge happens every April. And all the participants have to write a blog post every single day of April, excluding Sundays, I think. And on each day, our posts must start with the next letter of the alphabet. So you write an A post on the 1st of April, a B post on the 2nd of April, and so on. The title or or the theme or the... Uh, Subject of the blog post must start with the appropriate letter. And anyway, quite a few people joined in with this challenge. Not only did we post our blog posts on our blogs, we posted them within the community. And some people who didn't have blogs joined in and posted their stories, uh, whatever they wrote, their poems, inside the community only, And it was such a good way to connect with each other, to encourage each other, to get, keep on going every day. Yes, we'll come up with another idea tomorrow. We'll look forward to reading everybody's uh, work. And then we, we encouraged each other to, by giving each other positive feedback. And it was good. And then when April was over, I thought, well, we need something else to do and not necessarily a writing challenge because some people didn't want to write. What else could we do? What are we all interested in? And of course, we were all interested in unschooling because that's why everybody was part of the stories of an unschooling family community. So I thought our basic challenges around unschooling suggest that we do something practical every week. We'll go away, we'll do the challenge, we'll return at the end of the week or whenever we've done the challenge, and we'll report, yeah, write, write something about it. How did it go? What did we learn? How did we feel about it? And oh, that was so good. Uh, we learned from each other. We were on a level. I wrote the challenges, but we were on a level basis. We all shared equally and people had different ideas from mine. It was good. And yes, I wrote those challenges for a long time. And then eventually in 2022, I passed the community over to Erin, no- Noel and Shelley And they continued on with the community without me. I left the community to focus on a few other things, such as getting back to my blog and writing this book, The Unskilled Challenge, because by that time, I had decided to gather all those challenges um, together and put them into a book and write new ones as well. And all the challenges were rewritten and I added new stories and they're not exactly how they were in the community. I have expanded them and hopefully I have improved them. So, but um, probably if you had gone over to the Virtual Kitchen Table podcast, you would have heard all that and I wouldn't have needed to say all that. (laughs) Maybe I should have just directed you over to Erin Haley and Ashley's podcast and say, go listen about that. But you might enjoy listening to it again and hearing what Ashley, Haley, and Erin had to say about that and all the other things that we talked about, because we didn't just talk about my book, though we talked about some side topics that the book addresses, including de schooling. So I would really, really love you to go and subscribe to the Virtual Kitchen Table podcast. Erin, uh, Haley, and Ashley have been so encouraging. So supportive of my work. And that's the wonderful thing, isn't it? About finding your tribe, about finding people who understand you but accept you for who you are. You don't have to be exactly the same. You have to be uh, not like-minded but like-hearted and be accepted and you learn from each other and you help each other. You can collaborate, encourage, whatever you need. People will help you and they won't judge. And so I will have some news about um, the podcast, Erin's, Shelley and Noelle's podcast, not podcast, community, uh, the one that I uh, created but passed on to them. There's uh, There's some big news happening about that. It's still going. So I'll put a link in the share notes so that you can also go check that out. Maybe you'd like to join. It could be your tribe right oh was there anything else I've been talking a long long time and I haven't even got off the topic of my book the Unscored challenge but I hope you're finding this interesting uh yes all right um I did say last time I podcasted if I can remember because I didn't go back and check, I proposed a different structure to these podcasts. I think I was going to read out a story, talk about the story a little, share some additional thoughts, and then share some family news, and then offer a couple of resources. So instead of reading a story today, I shared something out of my book. Oh, you know, the introduction. Oh, before I go, perhaps I can entice you to go and check out my book by telling you a few of the names of the challenges. 76 of them. I will just dip in here and there. Um, so it starts. Write your Pixar story. Prepare for a new unschooling year. Evaluate unschooling. Take small steps. Reduce unschooling fears. Ponder educational ideas. Add rhythm to your days. Turn unschooling into homeschool records. Be adventurous. Uh, explore screen time. Create a strewing and planning notebook. Give joyful praise. Ponder trust. Turn no into yes. Do some learning of your own. Strew yourself. Search for delights. Waste some time. Fear learning in a different way. Getting to know your kids. Help with the chores. Add joy to your days. Take delight in yourself. Make fabulous outings notes. Do nothing much at all. Be kind. Collect delicious words. Write a happy list. Go on an adventure. Find common ground. Take time for yourself. Meander the unschooling way. Ignore people's opinions. Be heroic. Replace Charlotte Mason. Play the educational language game. Write an end of the year review. And finally, be brave. There were other ones there, but I I didn't want to tell you all of them because they're all there in the contents list, which you can see on Amazon. Uh, You can look inside the book. Use that feature and have a look at the beginning of the book. So, family news. Oh, we've had a lot of family news since I last spoke. Um, I haven't got much time though, so I'll rush through that bit. I've just returned from a wonderful one-on-one holiday with my daughter Charlotte. We went to the beach, just like I went to the beach with my daughter Imogen last March. I don't know if you've heard about that, whether I, I podcasted about it, but after being locked down for six months of 2021, one, um, the holiday in March 2022. Oh my, it was a lifesaver. I got my freedom back. Oh, it was just so, so wonderful. I came home feeling refreshed and my. Mentally, I felt a lot stronger, ready to go again. And this time, the reason I went with Charlotte was because Gemma Rose, my youngest daughter, couldn't go. Um, Charlotte and Gemma Rose planned a holiday at the beach a few months ago. They were going together. It, it was going to be a sister uh, holiday. Um, yeah, I wasn't. It didn't have anything to do with me in, initially, though. Imogen did say that she would take me to the beach again later this year because she really enjoyed her time with me as well. We had a great time. But Charlotte's holiday was supposed to be a sister holiday. And then a Gemma Rose changed her job and she couldn't get any time off work. So Charlotte approached me and said, Mom, would you like to come in Jim Rose's place? Would you like to go to the beach with me? So you can imagine how excited I got and I instantly said, oh, yes, I'm available. I would have been available, whatever was happening in my life. I said, I'd love to come to the beach with you. We had such a great time. Now, I would recommend going on holiday with an adult Child, if you have any adult children, of course, but look to the future if you haven't. Connect closely with your kids and be grateful that they want to spend time with you, even as adults. Yes, I felt so grateful, so thankful, so blessed that Charlotte likes who I am and wanted to spend a few days with me. And when we were were away, I've I didn't want to, uh, I had to be on my best behavior, put it that way. I didn't want to, be, I made this joke, I didn't want to be sent home. And it was a joke, but like all jokes, or some jokes, there is a serious aspect to it. Well, there, And that was that sometimes parents can overstep the mark, can't they? And spoil things for their kids. This was Charlotte's holiday. She had planned it. I was invited to come along. And I didn't want to take over. I wanted to be on my best behavior, make myself pleasant company. And I wanted her to come home saying, I really enjoyed spending time with my mother. I would do that all over again. And I think that I did okay. I think that Charlotte and I will spend more time together. We didn't argue once. I left, um, I sat in the passenger seat, she was in the driving seat, I was quite willing to do whatever she wanted, I had to listen carefully, um, not dominate conversations, all that kind of thing, so it it was good. Um, I could say more about that, and maybe I will share more in upcoming podcasts, but briefly, I want to, and this, I'm going to touch on this very, very quickly. I'd like to talk about this in more depth another time, but Gemma Rose, uh, she got a full time, well, she started work when she was 15 in a cafe, not full time at first, but she ended up working more, spending less time at home until naturally she was working full time during 2020, during the first lockdown, Uh, when cafes were closed to sit-down customers, uh, her cafe didn't need as many staff. They just didn't have the work for the staff. And she was fortunate enough to be the only person who was kept on. So she worked all during uh, the lockdown. She received a government payment, which was offered, which was quite good money. And she got lots and lots of experience And I guess by the end of that year, she had moved on from um, unschooling at home because unschooling never finishes, but she was a full time employee of the cafe. Now, some people might say, well, as people have said, that's not very ambitious, is it? Being a cafe worker, even though Gemma Rose was the cook, she could also, she had already uh, conquered the roles of. All the front staff roles of serving customers and waiting tables, dealing with customer complaints, receiving customer praise sometimes. That doesn't happen very often. And she'd also, um, she also was a barista. She could make good coffee. But she'd learned everything in the cafe. Uh, And I know she was just waiting waiting time for something else to come along so I wasn't worried when people said to me she has no ambitions she's working in a cafe because I knew that as soon as the challenge disappeared as soon as she wasn't learning anything she would become dissatisfied Gemma Rose is a very intelligent girl I think sometimes we uh we don't look past people's jobs. We don't look too closely. We just say, oh, look, she she couldn't get anything better. She couldn't get a better job. So she worked in a cafe. Well, that's not true at all. She was She is a very intelligent girl. And I know this, especially because she wasn't willing to dive into further study just because it was the next stage in life. No, she wanted to get out there, earn herself some money, and earn herself some skills. And she has, all loads of skills. She's confident. She can talk to people. She can run the cafe. Organizational skills. Oh, the amount of skills she has learned is tremendous. And not everybody can gain those skills. You think, oh, look, anybody can get a job in a cafe. Well, anybody might be able to get a job, but they won't hold onto it unless they have the right skills, the right personality, the people that are willing to work as a team, to be outgoing, uh, to take a risk, to be brave. Um, yes, it's horrible. Dog barking outside. I hope this is not going to spoil the end of my podcast, but I don't want to stop because I'm in the flow and I've almost done. Um, But I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to say, don't worry if your kids do not know what they want to do when they are teenagers, when they're 15, 16, 17, even 18. Let them get a cafe job. Let them earn some money. They'll learn a lot of skills. And when they're ready, when their challenges disappear, they'll want to move on. And that's exactly what Gemma Rose did. At the moment, she is doing a trial, a three-month trial as a hairdressing apprentice. And everything is going so well, so I have, I don't really have any doubts that she'll be taken on as a full-time hairdressing apprentice at the end of March, I think, or beginning of April, sometime like that. And, well, maybe some people will then say, is hairdressing any better than being a cafe uh, person working in a cafe? And, oh my, I do think it is. First of all, it's a career path. Some, you just think of p- people, famous uh, hairdressers, f- uh, people, hairdressers who have products, a line of products, a line of equipment, hair, equipment, you know, um, hair colors, uh, straighteners, hair dryers. They have made a huge career out of hairdressing. It's creative. Uh, you can just work in a small salon and cut people's hair. You you can start there certainly, but you can go places with hairdressing. Uh, you might not end up cutting hair. You might be one of the people who owns the salon, who organises the other hairdressers, who enters the contests, who has, you know, wants to go into the ideas side of things. Ah uh, yes, who wants to encourage other hairdressers coming up? hairdressers earn a lot of money to you. So if you're worried about uh, a career that will support our kids, hairdressing will do it, except an apprentice doesn't get paid much. And that's why Gemma Rose, she's had a cut in pay a lot. She was earning quite a good wage in the cafe. She's taken a, a cut in pay but recognises that she's in this transitional period where she is learning And hairdressing, beauty, all those sort of what some people call trivial uh, interests are actually, that's what she likes. And they're actually good career moves. And there's a challenge in my book, The Unschooled Challenge, about trivial interests that is very appropriate to this conversation. I think we're too quick to judge our kids and their interests. Um, but they're not. They know where they want to go. They've got dreams. And Gemma Rose is heading off on hers. And I'm just so happy for her. Few things I've learned. except where our kids are at the time. Let them work. Don't worry about their futures if they don't seem to have found their passion. They'll work it out. If their passion is something that seems trivial... Trust they'll find a way, and yeah, I'll report back as um, things go, you know, progress with Gemma Rose. I hope you found that helpful and reassuring. And that's why I went on holiday with Charlotte because Gemma Rose couldn't go. She was sad about that, but she was also happy that she had been accepted at this hair salon. And now it's a high-end salon too. It's not actually called a salon; it's called hair design. (laughs) So not the hairdressing salon, but the hair. uh, I don't don't really want to say the name of the of the salon, but if it was Goldilocks Hair Design, and oh, i was just learning so much already. Washing, massaging heads by the by the handful, (laughs) and fingerful. Oh, our fingers are so soft. Some days she's moved on to tinting hair. Um, She makes a good coffee for all the uh, customers and or the clients and the staff. If nothing else, she's brought her cafe skills of coffee making to the hair salon, and she's brought a lot of other skills to to the role, Uh, teamwork. Uh, being able to think on her feet, be on her feet all day, the desire to learn more. Uh, Oh, there's so many. I'm going to talk about that another time. Right, so that was my holiday. That was Gemma Rose's news. I promised to share a couple of resources each episode. I'll do that really quickly, and then I'll say goodbye. Now, I want to share a podcast. I've already shared one, uh, the Virtual Kitchen Table podcast, but I've got two in this section of my podcast. The first one is an episode of the Art of Manliness podcast. So why am I (laughs) listening to a podcast designed for men? Well, they have some very interesting topics, and I don't see any reason why women can't listen as well. And one that caught my eye, maybe a week or so ago, is a fairly recent episode. They don't um, number their episodes, so I can't give you a number, but I will put the link in the show notes. The episode that caught my eye is one called Jane Austen for Dudes. Jane Austen for Men. Because how many times when we turn on a Jane Austen uh, video, do our men folk or our boys or whatever... Uh, say, oh no, Jane Austen, you know, girl stuff. And it was such an interesting uh, episode presented. It was an interview and uh, the host interviewed a professor of English, I think it was, who, when he met Jane Austen, During school, his schooling years, Emma and Pride of Prejudice, I think, he thought Jane Austen is for girls. Well, he has changed his mind and he wanted to change other men's minds as well. What men can get out of Jane Austen? And I got a lot out of it as well. So, um, yeah. Jane Austen for dudes. And my second resource today is a video series on the Word on Fire Institute YouTube channel called God and Gaming. Now, I'm not sure exactly um, how many videos are in the series. I think there's at least six videos. I mentioned this uh, video series in my book, The Unscore Challenge. Under the challenge, Embrace Gaming. Um, Let me just find that in my book. Here it goes. It's Challenge 58, Embrace Gaming. And I think sometimes it's hard enough to reassure secular parents about gaming and to uh, suggest there might be some positives about gaming But when we come to Christian unschoolers, it gets even harder because a lot of uh, Christian unschoolers might label gaming as a work of the devil, something to be totally avoided. I suppose like heavy metal music. I wrote a blog post about that not so long ago. Uh, Heavy metal music. I wonder if you read it. Uh, Anyway, uh, this uh, series of videos in each of the videos A Christian gamer is interviewed and they talk about their careers as gamers. Now, it's a Catholic series, but that doesn't matter. If you're a Christian, I'm sure that you'll get a lot out of this series. And if you're not even a Christian, I'm sure that there will be things there for you as well. For example, did you know that gaming is the biggest entertainment industry? I mean, it's evident, isn't it? But we don't think about it in those terms. If it is the biggest entertainment industry, there must be a lot of jobs going in that industry more than in other industries. Somebody has to fulfill those roles. Why can't it be our kids who have a passion for gaming? So that was one big point, and that will apply to anybody, regardless of faith or not. And it was so reassuring uh, hearing the stories from the mouths of adult gamers, adult gamers who are um, yeah, earning money. They're there in the thick of things, and they're not producing Christian games. A lot of these gamers are working on mainstream game games such as Halo and if you'd like to hear more about how they influence uh, these games positively, then please go and have a look at that playlist. Uh, is it God and Gaming or Gaming and God? Oh, what did I write down? God and Gaming, I think. I think God comes first. But, yeah, such an interesting series. So that's everything, I think, people's... Um, I've done it. I've recorded episode 191 and I didn't get lost too many times or stumble over my words uh, to a degree which is uncomfortable, I hope. I recorded all that in one go. I'm feeling really satisfied and glad that I have sat down and made a new episode. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you. A couple of people uh, stopped by Instagram oh, maybe it's a few weeks ago, asked me if I was going to make any more podcast episodes, told me they enjoy my episodes. I was a bit doubtful about coming back because, oh, there are a heap of unschooling podcasts out there now, aren't there. And when I started, oh, how many years ago? I can't remember. More than six, I know that, maybe eight. Uh... I was the only one. Or maybe there was one or one other. And then Pamela Ricchia, Exploring uh, Unschooling, she started. And, well, she um, she was more productive than me and raced by me because I kept stopping. But I, I was thinking, is there still a need for my podcast? I would really love some feedback, but this is one thought I had. Uh, a lot of the podcasts that are out there at the moment are interview type Ones or conversations between more, uh, two or more people. And I love that type of conversation because you, you bounce things back between people. Uh, you join ideas together and it's lively and entertaining and very, very full of ideas. And mine are just me sitting here talking about my experiences and my family. But I guess... I'm the only one, or the only one I know of doing this. Maybe that makes it different enough to keep on doing. I don't know. Feedback, please, my friends. I'd love to hear from you. Yes, please encourage me by leaving some comments about this episode, either on my blog when I post it there, on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at stories of an unschooling family. Uh, there's a few. There's a couple of lower dashes in that, but I'll put the link in the show notes. Is that all? Um, oh, i got lots of things to put in the show notes. Read the show notes and, yeah, hop over to Amazon and look at my new book, The Unschool Challenge, and my other books, Curious Unschoolers and Radical Unschool Love. And if you're into uh, Catholic children's novels, I've also got three of those on Amazon as well. So I think that's it my friends, until I make another podcast. I hope it's not months months down the track. A bit of encouragement would help me uh, sit behind the mic again a bit sooner. So thank you so, so much for listening today. And I'm going to thank you in advance for hopping over to Amazon and for supporting me with comments and whatever else um, that I need. And I know that you can help me with spread the word of Adam's the unscored challenge if you already have a copy and if you like it. So until next time, friends, don't forget to live a radical life of unconditional love.